the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. I hope you enjoy my theme music. It's actually American Millennium by John Taylor. John is someone I've known since he was uh, 10 years old working with the Children's Theater here in San Jose when I was one of the older kids working with the Children's Theater. He's a very talented musician, uh, former music director a number of years ago of the Bellagio's uh, Cirque du Soleil O Show in Las Vegas. And uh, if you like that music, just look up American Millennium uh, or look up his album, Moonlight. I think uh, if you can get a copy of that album somewhere, it's well worth a listen. And I want to thank you, John, if you're listening. Thank you for giving me the privilege of using your music as the theme music for my show. Now, I will be taking calls today. It's 800-516-1220. I want to thank all of you uh, who have come to my seminars in the last several months and have come in to see me after listening to me on the show. Um, I do give Living Trust seminars in my office. Typically now I'm doing it twice on one Saturday a month, once at 9 o'clock in the morning till about 10.45, and then starting again at 12 o'clock noon till about 1.45. My next seminars will be coming up Saturday, September 7th, so that's two weeks from tomorrow at 9 a.m., and 12 o'clock noon. They're already starting to fill up. So if you're interested in coming to one of those seminars, go to eventbrite.com, search for Living Trust Seminar on September 7th, 2019, and you'll see, should see the listings for both of my seminars, and you can pick the one that's most convenient for you. If you like to sleep in on Saturday morning, pick the one at 12 o'clock noon. If you like to get things done in the morning and then have the rest of the day to do other things, come to my one at uh, 9 in the morning. Now, last Friday, my show was uh, broadcast live from the Money Show in San Francisco at the Hilton uh, Union Square. Um, Some of you, I'm sure, listened to that. And um, I had on the show Keith Koo, who is the very talented and uh, very knowledgeable host of Silicon Valley Insider, which is the show that broadcasts immediately prior to my show here on KDOW 1220. And uh, we talked um, pretty extensively about his experiences handling the estate of his father who passed recently. 
and uh, noted that even though his father was very, very well organized and very well prepared, there were still things that they did not expect to run into in handling his estate. So I just wanted to to let you know, uh, listen to his show. He's got a great show. He he gets a lot of people from uh, around the valley here talking all about tech and tech issues. It's kind of a sideline for him. It's not his major business, but it's become uh, very much part of his life. And I'm sure he'd love it if you listened to his show and uh, gave him feedback as well. You can email me today if you have any questions that you would like to have me answer on the air. It is, uh, it, you can email me at radio at lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Uh, you can also uh, call in 800 516 1220. <laughs> I just got a, a text from Keith um, saying, listening to your show, thanks for the plug. Let's meet up soon. Yeah, uh, we had the, the start of what I think is going to be a long and very productive and enjoyable friendship last Friday. We ended up on the same BART train from Fremont, and then we in, and then we were able to have lunch together before he did his show and then I did my show. So, Just so, in case you're wondering, we are actually real people at the other end of of these uh, these microphones here. Uh, We have families. We have businesses. um, You know, we go to Disneyland. We do all the kinds of things that everyone else does out there. And uh, you can always come if you want to meet me. You can come to one of my seminars. Or if you have any estate planning issues, you want to do a planning, uh, you want to plan for a, a special needs relative, if you've got a situation where you have uh, have a trust you're trying to handle and you've discovered that that there's property that was left outside of the trust and needs to get in there, I help with that. I actually help attorneys and their clients all around the state of California with those issues. I have a another matter like that that's coming in right now that is coming out of Southern California, and uh, I handle that a lot. If you have an existing trust that's now irrevocable and uh, you and your family would like to make changes to it or uh, your spouse just passed away and your trust is an older style trust that requires you to split it into two or more new trusts and you realize there's no reason to do that anymore because the laws have changed, I can assist with that as well. We call that a trust modification petition under probate code section 15403 or 15409. Those are two sections that we use. And I do those regularly, both locally and for the clients of attorneys around the state of California. So I can assist with that as well. You can find out more about all these things by going to my website at lawbob.com. Very easy to remember. I practice law. I go by Bob. So it's lawbob.com. You can uh, email me at radio at lawbob.com if you want to have a question answered on the air or call me at 800-516-1220. But until that happens, I'm going to jump in to the general types of things that I do on my show here. It's very free form. I typically go through a, a series of questions or situations that people have raised around the state of California I kind of state them. I kind of let you know what the issues are because it might affect you or someone you know. And then I propose some 
solutions on how to deal with the issues. Now, here is a situation that I'm sure is very, very common. Um, not as many people are getting married nowadays. Um, a lot of couples are cohabitating and they're buying property together, real estate. They have bank accounts together. They start families together. And here's a situation out of San Bernardino. Uh, the person says, my girlfriend and I own a home together. I'm the primary on the loan. She's the co-borrower and she's on the deed as well. She's never paid half the mortgage since day one, but has always paid for utilities. Um, I've also spent about 15000 in upgrades in the house, and she's never contributed half of that either. Now we're splitting up. Is she entitled to half even though she's never paid half of anything? The answer is if you are co-owners on that property, as uh, probably what's called tenants in common, then the answer is yes. Unless you had some kind of an agreement that you were going to contribute 50% of everything from each of your respective incomes and assets. If someone is a half owner, they're a half owner. When you go and sell that property, your girlfriend's going to get half the proceeds and you're going to get half the proceeds. Um, it, it kind of suggests that uh, that maybe there's a better approach. Uh, you might have been registered domestic partners, but you have to be uh, either a gay or lesbian couple or over a certain age to do that. But here, even having some kind of an agreement between you about what you would do if if your your forever um, relationship comes to an end, as this one is coming to an end, uh, the general answer is yes, she would be entitled to half of the proceeds from the sale. Now, we're coming up on the first break in the show today, and I want to tell you you can call 800-516-1220. Or you can email your questions to radio at lawbob.com. But until after the break, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your Estate Radio, and we'll catch you on the backside of the commercials. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Uh, before the break, I was talking about a, a situation with a, a person who is splitting up with his girlfriend and they purchased a property together. He wanted to know if the girlfriend was entitled to half of the proceeds of the, uh, of the policy um, and uh, even though she hadn't really contributed in any large form, even paying you know towards the mortgage, and I said the answer is yes. Now, here's a closely related question that uh, comes out of the Fresno area. Here it says, my girlfriend of almost 20 years just passed away. We have nothing in both of our names. I lived in her home, helped her pay the bills. She has one grown son, and she did not leave a will. Do I have any domestic rights in California if I'm not registered? The answer is not really. Unless you could somehow prove that there was an agreement between you and your girlfriend that you would be compensated in some way, a letter from her saying, uh, I'm leaving the house to you if something happens to me or something along those lines. Basically, 
it looks like her grown son is going to end up with this house because you had no agreement. She had no will. This is just uh, this is just the, the kind of issue that comes up all the time around the state. It, it used to be something that you would commonly run into in the gay and lesbian community uh, before um, gay and lesbian uh, people could get married with one another. Um, they would cohabitate. Maybe one really had assets, the other one didn't, but they didn't do any planning together. And uh, and some uh, then one of the partners passes away, and the other one has literally no rights of any kind. That's how we ended up with registered domestic partnership law here in California. So there there would actually be legal rights to inherit, legal rights to uh, you know property rights, legal rights to to uh, go to the hospital to direct uh, health care to handle assets, things like that. Uh, It's just that unless you are a gay or lesbian couple, you cannot be registered domestic partners in California unless, as I recall, I don't look at this all the time, but uh, as I recall, unless one of the partners is over a certain age, like over age 55 or age 60, or maybe, maybe both partners have to be, that's if they are a heterosexual couple. And the fact is there are a lot of heterosexual couples and gay and lesbian couples who are cohabitating with one another and they have not done any kind of planning about what happens if one of them becomes incapacitated or what happens if one of them has died. Um, because, Because you can find out very quickly that without the legalities in place, the surviving person in that relationship may end up with nothing, may end up with no home, no rights of any kind, and they may have been the one that was paying the bills all along the way, and they have nothing to show for it. So my suggestion is if you are cohabitating and you don't intend to get married or if you don't intend to become registered domestic partners, which, by the way, from a tax standpoint, only has an effect here in California, it does not affect taxes at the federal level. You have to have a legally recognized marriage to have a different tax result at the federal level. Well, in a situation like that, if there is no planning, you can end up with really, really bad results. So if you're out there in a relationship and you do own property together, especially if you have children together, you need to do estate planning. You need to do a plan for each one of you uh, so that you know what's going to happen if one of you becomes incapacitated or one of you passes away because the latter is inevitable. As I tell people all the time, none of us are getting out of this alive. We're all going to die someday. And if you don't plan for that certainty in the future, then you could leave behind a serious problem for your life partner, maybe for the children you had together, all kinds of things like that. So please, uh, I will do that type of planning for people. I do have uh, unmarried couples as clients. I have gay and lesbian uh, married couples as clients. Um, and so it's really something that needs to be done. So I have here uh, a question to answer on the air that came through. Uh, is a holographic will still a thing? Well, let me explain briefly what a holographic will means. Holographic means handwritten. And, and a holographic will historically was one 
that was all written down by hand by the person who was making the will. And the entire will historically had to be handwritten by the person. There could not be any printing of any kind on the will itself. Um, it could be written all by hand, and it did not have to be witnessed, although witnessing it um, was more powerful, uh, made it more certain that it was actually the person's will. Uh, holographic wills used to be a really big deal because people would write letters to people saying, when I die, I'm giving you my house. That could be considered a will. Nowadays, any writing that's done by someone that shows testamentary intent, meaning the in intent to leave property to someone or someplace at death, can be considered a will by the court. That's even if it doesn't follow all the strict requirements of a will that used to be part of the law. It's gotten a lot looser now. Uh, I mean, if someone writes up a will and only one person miss, uh, um, signs as a witness, that doesn't make the will automatically invalid. It means that it could be challenged um, as, as, as far as its validity. You know, was it really intended to be a will, all this? But if the whole family says, yeah, that's the will, that's no one's going to challenge it, a court can accept that as a valid will as long as it shows testamentary intent. Um, because the courts now and the law is now more focused on carrying out the intention of the creator of that will and doing what their wishes are. So the technicalities for a will, at least here in California, are not as um, stringent as they used to be. That's been relaxed by the legislature and by the courts. Now here's something asking, asking a question. What disqualifies Proposition 58 land transfer from a parent's trust to children at death and property tax increases? Land was transferred from parents by a trust to the children. Under Prop 58, why would a person's application for an exemption, that's an exclusion from reassessment of the property taxes, why would it be denied? Well, I can tell you one case where it would be denied. If someone transferred property if parents transferred property in trust for their children and their grandchildren at the same time in that trust, and the grandchildren could actually get income from that property, then that will trigger a reassessment of the property taxes um, because a grandchild is not eligible for the exclusion except under very specific circumstances. Um, I'm going to come back after the break and expand on that because it's a very important topic. But until then, uh, I'll talk to you after the break. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll be back shortly. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Uh, before the break, I was talking about uh, a question that someone raised. Uh, it actually came out of Sacramento. And the impression I got from the question was, was that the, the family ended up being so very surprised 
at what happened to um, uh, what happened to a property that was transferred from their parents' trust, and the property tax was reass- reassessed. First of all, Proposition 58 is basically the proposition here in California that granted a parent-to-child exclusion from reassessment of the real property taxes on a property that's transferred from a parent to a child. So that's the general law right there. Now, under Proposition 58, um, an application for exemption, what we call a Prop 58 form for the parent-to-child exclusion, uh, if that's filled out properly, it should be granted. But if it was a transfer from a trust, the question becomes, how was the transfer done? Did it include um, an interest in the property being transferred to the child of a child, in other words, a grandchild, um, if that's the case, the interest being transferred to the grandchild might be excluded from reassessment of the property taxes. If the grandchild's parent, who was the child of the person who died and left things from the trust, if that person was deceased, and if the parent of that child um, had been uh, was not married to the deceased child at the deceased child's death or had remarried since the deceased child's death, then the grandchild could qualify for the exclusion from reassessment as well. But what may have happened here was we may have had a trust that transfers property in trust for the children and the grandchildren at the same time and didn't have any restrictions in it saying that income generated from that real estate cannot be used for the grandchildren or distributed to to or for the benefit of the grandchildren because if that's the case, that transfer will not um, avoid reassessment because it's likely the grandchildren are not exempt from reassessment um, because the transfer was to children and grandchildren. It's kind of a technical area of the law, and I can tell you that a lot of older trusts drafted in the past, uh, it was not an issue because the assessor's offices were not really looking at it as an issue. They weren't digging down into uh, trusts that were set up to see if there were ineligible beneficiaries that would trigger reassessment. But in more recent years, the assessors around the state are now starting to require copies of the trusts when a transfer is from a trust, and they're reading the trusts to see what does it say about who the income beneficiaries are of that trust. And if real estate goes in there and and the and a grandchild who might be ineligible for the, uh, the reassessment exclusion, if that grandchild were to be uh, actually able to or even permitted to receive income, that will trigger a reassessment of the the property. Uh, and not just an interest, it will be a reassessment of the entire property. So careful drafting is necessary to avoid that result. It's a relatively new problem. Like I said, assessors didn't look at this years ago. Now they're looking at it carefully because technically they are correct under the assessment rules. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so 
if a trust is set up in that way, it's going to trigger a reassessment. Now, here's uh, someone said, my spouse passed away and I have a living trust. How do I update the trust that will reflect my son as the recipient of the remaining assets? Now, that sounds like the son right now is not the recipient of all the remaining assets, may not even be a recipient at all. So the real question is, uh, you'd have to start first by looking at the trust. Sounds like it was a joint trust between spouses and one spouse has passed away. You have to look and see what does the trust say about the share of the spouse that just died? Where does their share of the property go? Does it go directly to the surviving spouse with no restrictions? Does it go into a trust to take care of the surviving spouse where it would have restrictions? Uh, That's the place you have to start asking the question. If it's the former, updating the trust would be what we call an amendment. And if it's an older trust, I might do what's called an amendment and restatement which is to update actually the whole estate plan at that time to bring it oftentimes into the 21st century because it may have been drafted in the 20th century and at the same time make any changes and updates that the surviving spouse would want to make in reference to the property, like including um, his or her son as the one to receive the property. Okay, here's a question out of Anaheim. Uh, apparently, there was a trust set up by Grandma, and um, and it was left in trust for the grandchild until the grandchild reached a certain age. Grandchild has reached that age, um, has contacted the trustee who's supposed to now distribute the trust to this person. It's been more than a month, and I want to know if it usually takes this long or if I need to pursue legal action. Well, a month is not a lot of time if you're winding up the affairs of someone who died. I hear, though, it sounds like um, this was a trust uh, that may have been set up by Grandma a number of years ago, and it's been going for a while. But here, though, the other possibility is Grandma just died. By the terms of the trust, things were going to go to the grandchild at, say, age 25. The grandchild's 35 years old. So it's time to distribute. Well, there's going to be some things that the trustee has to do. Uh, The trustee may have a final tax return to put together for grandma. There may be bills to pay, debts to pay, unpaid taxes, credit cards, all those kinds of things. That has to be taken care of first before you could actually distribute on to somebody. So a month is not a long time. Uh, I might tell this person, ask the trustee for a copy of the trust um, because you're entitled to that and see if you can uh, get some idea how long it's going to take before it can all be distributed out to you. Um, It's a little early to be contemplating some kind of legal action to compel the trustee. Okay, so here, my deceased husband's cousin died last year and left an estate. My father-in-law was the next of kin, but he's deceased. The next next of kin was my husband. He's deceased and my sister-in-law. Sister-in-law is now in charge of the cousin's estate. She and my two children are the legal beneficiaries. Today, she mentioned she wants to divide the state among five people. 
her, my two children, and her two children. She wants to add their names because the property is in a historical district of Los Angeles, and she feels that her children are owed part of the proceeds. Her children's names are not on the legal documents. I'm vehemently opposed to this because I feel it's very unfair to my children to have their share of the estate reduced. Does she have the power to add her children as beneficiaries? The likely answer to that question is absolutely not. If the cousin died, his trust is is now irrevocable. If it was a trust, if it's an estate and it's going through probate, she has no right to add new beneficiaries in who are not beneficiaries under the law. And in this case, um, in this case, it's been identified who are the beneficiaries. The, uh, this person's two children are receiving the share of their uh, deceased father, who, who is the, the husband of the woman who's asking this question. And then the sister-in-law, who is the uh, sister of the deceased husband, she's getting the other half. Her two children will eventually get her half. But to try to add her two children, so now it's divided five ways instead of 50-50, there's no real way to do that. And if she tries to do that or starts distributing in that way, then she would be in trouble because she's actually... Uh, in violation of the law if she does that. Now, I've got one more quick one I'm going to do before the uh, the last break in the show today, before we go into the fourth segment today. Someone says, um, I paid for, uh, the property is paid for, I own half, the other half is in an irrevocable trust, and I don't know the details. It's an old house, needs major work, I no longer live in it, but I've paid some property tax, and now squatters are on the property. I can't get a loan to fix it up, and I can't sell it, but I'm getting notices from the city and county. Help, what do I do? Um, what the person can do is they can petition the court for what's called a partition action. So they can petition for partition, which is basically to have the court order that the property be sold and the proceeds be distributed out half to the irrevocable trust, half to this person who's the other half owner. Depending on where they're located, it might take several months to get into court for that. He has to figure out who he's supposed to serve the petition on, who's in charge of this irrevocable trust. But that would be the answer to deal with that. So we're coming up on the third break of the show today. Um, And uh, I hope you're enjoying it so far. But uh, this is state planning attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll be picking up with the last segment of the show today after the break. Talk with you then. Back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Well, we're on our final approach for the show today. And if we were on a plane, I would be saying, please put your your seat backs up, your trays in the upright and locked position. Fasten your seat belts because we're on our final approach 
to come in for a landing as the show ends today. I have a couple of more situations to cover. Uh, I don't know if it's going to take the entire time we have left, but if it doesn't, um, I'll share some, some other thoughts to close out the show today. Um, first one is here. Um, it says, Mom had a trust and then also had a will naming me as the executor. The only thing that Mom had when she died was one piece of land held in the trust, and Mom gave me a deed to file when she died so no probate was involved. Isn't all I need to do is transfer the property from the trust to me? I'm also the trustee of the trust. And this actually raises um, a pretty interesting situation. There, there was a time when, when there was a practice to have someone draw up a deed transferring property to someone, but then they wouldn't record the deed, what we called a pocket deed. You kind of keep it in your pocket and wait and only record it if you needed to. I'm not sure why mom, uh, when mom, uh, why mom didn't actually file this deed and put the property into her trust right up front. That's the much better practice. Uh, it looks like um, the deed, you can't tell whether the deed was uh, into the trust or deed directly to the child. Um, but the, the, the short answer is, it's probably going to be fine. If there's a will legally under the law, you're supposed to actually file the will with the court in the county where the person was a resident, which is usually where they also died. Um, and you get to pay the court $50 for the privilege of filing that will. If you don't file the will, then whoever has the original will can be personally liable for any damages suffered by um, by someone who may be a beneficiary uh, because of the failure to file that will with the court so it wasn't available for the court to look at. In this case, if the person's the only beneficiary, the only one who would have any reason to be upset if the will wasn't filed is the person that has the will right now. Um, technically, it has to be filed. I don't know that filing it makes any sense at all. You certainly don't want to commence a probate with a will if there's no assets to go through the probate court, because that just triggers all kinds of expenses and things, uh, attorney's fees, costs, filing fees, all that thing that you want to avoid. Um, I had a, a situation, of, uh, just to share with that, I had a situation a few years ago, and I think I'm going to expand on this pretty much for the rest of the show. Uh, a friend of mine, um, his father passed away. He had a house that he owned here in the Bay Area, uh, one of the outlying areas, you know, Antioch or something like that. The house itself had um, a quarter million dollar loan on it, but because of the economic downturn, uh, the house itself was only worth about $180,000. And uh, and all his father really had was this house that was underwater, as we call it, meaning that that it was worth less than the loan against it. We call that being underwater on the loan. And uh, and the only other things he had were some really old furniture and some clothes in the house. He didn't have any bank accounts or anything, kind of lived on Social Security month to month. And he asked me what he should do. And what I told him was, Joe, I'll just say his name is Joe, it's not, but said, Joe, this is the thing to do. If you feel generous... 
contact your father's lender, let them know your father has died, and tell them that you and your sister are not doing anything at all with the property. And that's basically letting the lender know it's not going through probate, it's not going to be sold out of probate. They need to take whatever legal action they need to do, which is to foreclose on the loan, which I'm sure they were very happy to foreclose on the loan, take back a property that was in bad condition, and, and eat the 70000 or so um, that that they were not going to be able to collect when they sold that property. But uh, still, that was the thing to do. There are times when the best thing to do is do nothing at all. Do not start a probate because that triggers all kinds of reporting requirements, fees, costs, everything else. In that case, I just told him, um, slowly back away and walk away from your father's property. There's nothing there for you. Maybe go in if you see a few items, personal items that you want to keep uh, um, as uh, for memory of your father, uh, something that has sentimental value, you know, some furniture or something. Take that out because no one's going to want that anyway. But other than that, just walk away from the property. Well, I'm going to start wrapping up today because we're about for the end of the show. I just want to remind you again, I do have my seminars coming up on Saturday, September 7th. I have a 9 o'clock and a 12 o'clock. You can register by going to my website at lawbob.com or you can go to eventbrite.com and look for the Living Trust Seminar on September 7th. So until next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. I hope you have a great weekend. So we'll talk to you next Friday. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.